Section 4 of Miss Priscilla Hunter and My Daughter Susan by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Priscilla Hunter, Chapter 4. She Finds Substance in Smoke. Her scheme widened and lengthened as she tramped. She called one day on Mr. Leonard Phelps. Now, Mr. Leonard Phelps was one of those good-natured young men who have fair salaries, and contrive to eat and drink and drive and smoke every cent of them up, until some day they get married, and then they pinch and twist and save and grumble for the rest of their lives, but as a rule they contrive to eat and smoke and drive on. Mr. Phelps was in the middle stage of this disease. He was a clerk in a large dry goods house, a favorite clerk, receiving a good salary, and having at present no one besides himself and the young lady who chanced to take his passing fancy, on which to spend his money. He was a favorite with Miss Priscilla. She liked him just as a good many others did, without any definite reason save the fact that she couldn't help it. He is an idiot, she was apt to say, snapping her eyes and sewing fast just a born idiot and nothing else, wasting his time and his talents and frolicking through his life for all the world like the gaudy young butterfly that I used to read about when I went to school. But for all that I can't help liking him, though I can't see anything in life that ought to be liked about him. It was on this young man whom she called with her subscription paper, she found him alone at his counter, in good humor as he generally was, and engaged in whistling while he tried to determine in his own mind where to waste the evening which was drawing near, and which fell to him as a leisure one. He parried Miss Priscilla's thrusts with the most good-natured skill for some time, then, growing weary of her, said courteously, "'The truth is, Miss Hunter, I should like exceedingly well to help you.' I don't know anything that would give me greater pleasure if I were able to do it. But the honest fact is that I haven't the money to spare. It is all I can do to live, these are hard times, you know. And what with this and that unexpected drain on my purse, for something is always coming up to take money, it is a regular struggle with me to keep out of debt. I feel almost worn out in the attempt. You do look thin, that's a fact said Miss Priscilla, in a significant tone, and she surveyed his large, well-proportioned, somewhat portly form, with such an air of mock commiseration on her face, that it provoked a burst of laughter from the gay young man. "'I don't want to be hard on you,' continued his tormentor. "'I know you have a great many depending on you for food and clothes, and all that sort of thing. It is not to be expected that with your little bit of a salary—' It takes me exactly three years and eight months sewing ten hours a day, 313 days a year, to make it out of pants, so of course I know you can't have much to give. Let me have for the next six months what you know on your honor as a gentleman you would spend in smoke, and I'll let you off from the balance. Smoke? he said, taken somewhat aback. Oh, now, Miss Priscilla, you wouldn't be so hard-hearted as to have me give up my cigars. They are all the comfort I have in life. Poor fellow, getting comfort out of smoke. You are poor, that's a fact. 
and so you are willing to own that you care more for your puffs of smoke than you do for the Lord? Oh, as to that, I'm not a professor of religion, you know. It is not expected of me to be governed by any such motives. Bless me, why not? Who doesn't expect it of you? That's the queerest way to talk I ever heard of. Suppose you were called on to help your father's family, would you say, Well, now, I don't pretend to belong to my father's family. I eat food of his providing, to be sure, and wear clothes which his money furnishes, but I have never made any profession of belonging to the family, and I don't see how I can be expected to take an interest in them. Certainly this was a new way of putting a truth, and Mr. Leonard Phelps, who was not easily embarrassed, felt his face flush slightly, as one who realized that his logic had put him into very close quarters. "'Well, but, Miss Hunter,' he said, rallying, "'you will surely admit that there is a difference between people who profess religion and those who do not.' "'I dare say there is, as much difference in fact as there is between a son who professes to love his father and one who doesn't. But if you mean there ought to be a difference,' I can't see that I see how it takes away a son's obligation to behave himself because he doesn't profess to care for his father's family. You see, young man, it isn't a question that lies with you to settle whether you will have Mr. Marcus Phelps for your father or not. He is your father, and you can't help yourself, and you owe him your love, whether he gets it or not is another thing." now what you need to remember is that the lord is your father whether you choose to own him or not and he has a right to your love and your help whether you give him his rights or not is your affair and his but don't go to saying that a thing isn't expected of you because you don't do it that's ruinous doctrine and hasn't any common sense about it either there's lots expected of people on the score of their having brains and souls and all that and they seem to take delight some of em in disappointing all the expectations that their friends have but unless they are born idiots they won't pretend that shirking their duty releases them from all responsibility in the matter this was only a part of the conversation it was continued at some length and grew serious developing more thought about these matters of obligation and fatherhood and sonship than this young man had ever given before, and we cannot yet tell whereunto this thing may grow. Certain it is, though, that he gave his promise, not to give up smoking indeed, that was perhaps too much for so voluptuous a nature to do on the sudden, but to hold himself to a strict account with his cigars, and whatever they cost him for the next six months, deliver that sum into the church fund for his share of the payment of the debt. Miss Priscilla readily agreed to that, and trudged away saying to herself with a satisfied nod, There's an honest penny towards paying the share of those who won't pay. He doesn't think he'll double his share by the means, but I know it. The talk had suggested a new idea to her busy brain, and before that day was done, she had made several dashes at young men in the church and congregation, the result of which she entered in her book under the brief but expressive heading, In Account with Smoke, So Much. Tramp, tramp, the days went on, so did the work. 
those who were amused at first, and eager, gradually lost interest, and as Miss Priscilla kept her own counsel as to results, ceased questioning her, or talking about the new enterprise. And finally, those who thought about it at all, contented themselves with the fond memory that they were not to be called on for the payment of their subscriptions unless the whole sum was raised. They had Miss Priscilla's word for that. The three weeks passed, and she took down her vacation sign, and sat again in her one window, with shears and buttons and thread around her, and sewed steadily a large share of the day. But regularly, as the light began to wane, donned shawl and bonnet and trudged off. Also, she had many schemes not apparently connected with the church debt. Might as well kill two birds with one stone, she had begun to say early in her rounds. So she had planned and matured and actually started an enterprise whereby every woman in the church was pledged to make an apron or a towel or a stove-holder or a pair of stockings, something with her own hands, and have ready for Miss Priscilla against a certain day of the month in a certain month of the year. This is charity, explained Miss Priscilla. This is for the heathen. But what are you going to do with them? The heathen don't want kitchen aprons and dish towels. They want Bibles and tracts. Never you mind that, would Miss Priscilla return, followed with a peculiar pressure of her lips. There's many a heathen would be better for a good decent kitchen apron long enough to cover her nicely. But that's neither here nor there. These things are for the heathen, and they'll get them in one shape or another. Make em and see." And behold, it came to pass, that when the young ladies held their annual fair of worsted dogs and cats, sitting on bright worsted cushions and tidies, Miss Priscilla had a corner of the room and a big table devoted to the use of the aprons and dish-towels and stockings and holders. And whatever got possession of the people, whether it was the novelty of seeing something really useful for sale at a fair, or whether Miss Priscilla had awakened in their hearts some of her enthusiasm, or whether it was an answer to some of her earnest prayers up there in that little back room, certain it was that by eleven o'clock not a towel or apron or mitten or holder was left. Miss Priscilla counted her gains with quiet satisfaction, and the next day made a deposit in the First National Bank. "'It is for the heathen, Mr. Merchant,' she explained. Can it be entered in their name, and be drawing interest while I am at work gathering up what is to go with it? So you have deserted the enlightened people of our city as hopeless, have you? laughed Mr. Merchant, as he counted the dimes and five-cent bits and coppers. Well, I guess you are wise. The heathen will make better returns. Yes, we'll give you five percent interest on this. The heathen are everywhere was Miss Priscilla's brief comment as she took her bank-book and departed. Every man, woman, and child. That had been her promise, and she kept it bravely. All the children were organized into a society which was called the Penny Club. Not a child in the city who could by any shadow of reason be counted among the children of the church, but belonged to Miss Priscilla's club. All were pledged to give, some of them a penny a day, some of them a penny a week, 
and a few of them a penny a month, according to their several degrees of wealth or poverty. Each of them was to earn this money for himself, and those who were too poor to expect payment from their own families were fitted out with scraps from the many jackets and trousers that had accumulated in Miss Priscilla's back room, and instructed how to make pen wipers for the million. The boys were set to whittling, and many a spool holder and thimble stand were whittled out that would never have been thought of but for Miss Priscilla's wits. All these things found their place at the fair, and found sale besides. If people will go to fairs to spend their money, said Miss Priscilla, as she fastened a ticket of price on each little pen wiper and whittled article, why, let them, I'm willing, here's something for em to buy. And they bought them. Every child in the congregation reported her pennies and her earnings to Miss Priscilla on certain days of the week, each having her special day, and each kept the bit of a book, made by folding a half-sheet of paper a number of times and putting a stitch of bright thread through it, and each child made her entry in neat school hand or crooked capitals, according to the degree of education acquired. And nothing flourished better, or was more productive of more fun to the young people themselves, than Miss Priscilla's Penny Club. As for the money they pledged, and the money which they earned and brought that they had not pledged, Miss Priscilla, large faith though she had, was amazed at the amount, as she ran her eyes over the rows and rows of pennies and five-cent pieces and dimes, and marked how they swelled and how they footed up, she murmured, Who would have thought that a few pennies gathered together would make so many? If the world was at work in a penny club for missions, we could pay the everlasting debt of the foreign boards. A penny a day! I declare I'm equal to that myself." now multiply me by a few million of people, and how rich and powerful I am! How those boards exist, being forever overdrawn, is more than I can understand. Still, I'm free to confess that I don't want to go around with a subscription to help make them even. Not yet a while, anyhow. End of section 4